His name is Lyle Presler, punk rock legend and music industry vet. His name is Jim Shear, most tenured DJ in the history of music television. It's the week in music with Lyle and Jim, and it all starts now. Hello there, everybody. My name is Jim Shear. And my name is Lyle Pressler. Yes, it is. And Lyle is actually coming to us remotely today, uh, hence the telephone. We, we can't make it into the studio every week. So on today's episode, Sting reopens the Bataclan in Paris, France. Aerosmith calls it quits. Well, not really. TMZ disregards the law in a Taylor Swift lawsuit. License to ill turns 30. But before all of that, we have to say our final goodbye to Leonard Cohen. Three mm. weeks after releasing his 14th studio album titled You Want It Darker, Leonard Cohen died in his Los Angeles home at the age of 82. Mm. Not a good year to be a legend. No, no, definitely not. Well, it, Jim, did, how do you feel about Leonard Cohen as the artist? Not as a person, obviously, but... As the artist? Yeah. To me, well... I told everyone that I didn't know about Leonard Cohen before the uh, Nirvana song off In Utero, Penny Royal T. Right. So when Leonard Cohen gets shouted out by Kurt Cobain, then you do your, you know, you go back and do your homework. And exactly. I always thought that he was just such a cool guy. He was a cool guy, but I'm not so sure that I really enjoyed his music. I think it was an acquired taste. Yeah. Like definitely. Tom Waits. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's funny because I like Tom, but I... <laughs> what? That's crazy. You like Tom, but you didn't like Leonard? Yeah, not really. Wow. I mean, you know, it's just, I, I just thought it was sort of... But I will give him one thing. He had Mumblecore before Mumblecore was Mumblecore. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, no, but I mean, obviously, I, my like or dislike of him, which is not dislike, but if no, it, I got gotcha. it has nothing to do with my my understanding of him as a giant in the business, right? And in and in in culture, so yeah, yeah. I, I'm not saying that I, I I bump Leonard Cohen when I'm driving to the beach, but yeah, no, you you, <laughs> you probably wouldn't do that, right? Because you're going across that bridge, you know, it takes you to sort of you know the Jersey Shore. You're not you're not going like. But you can understand, like you said, you can can understand and appreciate his songwriting, especially for his song Hallelujah, which is all over the place. And Mr. Alan Light, who I've been hanging out with this week, wrote a book on it because so many people have covered it over the past 10, 15, 20 years. Um, He transcended his own thing and became something that people covered. So that's awesome. And a great lesson is that his record label would not release the song. So it was just kind really? of it was just kind of swept under the rug and I think Bob Dylan covered it from time to time and then it it experienced a, a renaissance and, you know, a rebirth when Jeff Buckley covered it in 1994. Yes. And then yes. every American Idol contestant used it as their audition song. Which is fantastic. <laughs> On some level. <laughs> But you think about all of your favorite movies and all of your favorite mm-hmm. albums, and they were almost never made because someone didn't like them. I mean, back in the right. day, America didn't like the Beatles. It right. took a DJ exactly. to smuggle in a record from the UK. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. I mean, it, it's fantastic. It's, it's, it's a tremendous triumph. And we're going to get to a lot of other things here that we don't like. <laughs> so, now, are you speaking about the work of Leon Russell? No, not actually, because I have to tell you a story about Leon Russell. Okay, so when, in 1975, as near as I can remember, um, I went down to Georgetown in D.C., and they had a Gap store there. It's one of the first Gap stores in America, <laughs> right? And so they had jeans, and I got myself a white jean setup. Okay, so that's white jeans, a white jean jacket, and I got myself a black Leon Russell t-shirt. Now, what year was this? 1975, Nin- I think. Okay, 1970, okay. All right. <laughs> so I had no idea who Leon Russell was, but I had a, I had this really cool shirt where he had the sunglasses on the whole bit. Sure. And so I was styling, man. I was so styling. <laughs> and, and, and I walked around with that for a while. Um, I'm not sure what I've been in it, but I probably did about 1976 uh, and got myself a Peter Frampton outfit. But uh, yeah, so yeah, so it was really sad to see Leon Russell die. And um, and he I mean, his influence on music is really profound. And it's something that I probably can't speak to that much. But he was a multi-instrumentalist. He was an incredible singer, and um, and he'll be missed. Yeah, because on Sunday morning it was announced that rock and roll and songwriting Hall of Famer Leon Russell passed away in his sleep at the age of 74. He had a heart attack in July. He had a heart surgery. He wanted to start touring again in January, but he never fully recovered. And like I said, he passed in his sleep at the age of 74 on Saturday night. And Alton John names him as a mentor. Oh, yeah. And for those yeah, that don't know, yeah. Leon Russell kind of fell off the map. And then I think it was in 2010, Elton John kind of wanted to do him a favor. And he's like, let's do an album together. And then yeah. they started playing Bigger Rooms and they played Letterman and Cameron Crowe did a documentary on him. Yep. So that was that was very nice of Elton John. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, this was an interesting story. A year after... 90 concertgoers were massacred at Paris's Bataclan Theater. And when that story hit last year, it was just, you couldn't even wrap your mind around it. Because all, all the concerts that we've been to, and you think, 90 people were killed at a concert? So it reopened um, with a concert held by Sting, who, by the way, is supporting his brand new album, 57th and 9th. Now, Jesse Hughes... Frontman of Eagles of Death Metal, the band that was playing during the terror attacks, was not allowed into the venue since he claimed that Bataclan security was in on the attacks, and he also made comments about France's gun control policy. Right, but he, but I think he, if I'm not mistaken, and I may be, doesn't he advocate the uh, greater spread of guns? I would think, yeah, that's the, uh, that's what I got from everything. Yeah, so he was decrying the fact that they had strict gun control policies. Right. Which is this sort of, in my opinion, an illusion that, you know, if everyone has guns, then it's going to be like the Wild West where the bad guys yeah, shut like, down every I don't, time. I don't come strapped when I go to a concert. Even if, yeah. I, owned, even if I owned a gun, I wouldn't right. wear the gun on me when I'm going to see an Eagles of Death Metal concert. 
Well, I'd hope not. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's a, but I also think that, by the way, I think it's a shame that he wasn't allowed in the building or was removed because I don't think that's consistent with, I think, it, I mean, he was there when it happened. He was there. So he should be there, yes. And I'm surprised that uh, Sting didn't sort of take him and say, come on, you come with me. So, but I've met Jesse before. Jesse's he's an interesting character. He's a complicated dude. Very complicated, yeah. Yeah. He's a complicated dude. It's funny I was I was I was talking to these guys um apropos of nothing and they were talking about Roger Waters. And they were saying how excited they were that he was coming to play in a year in a year. <laughs> they were he was going to come play and they said but he made some anti-semitic comments. Jesse did? Yeah, and no, no, no. Um, Roger Waters did. Oh, Roger I Waters said, did. I, I said, yeah, and I said, I said, well, um, you know, Roger Waters, his politics are kind of complicated. So, and one of the guys said to me, he said, yeah, you know, I don't really care about that. And he was Jewish, and he said, I don't really care about that. I, I, I think he's probably misunderstood, but it doesn't really matter because I really love his music. I'm going to go see him anyway. He said, but a, a bunch of friends of mine just won't go, mm-hmm. and and I was thinking like. The problem with being political is that you either have to be completely consistent. Yeah. And if you're not, then you run into the Roger Waters, Jesse Hughes situation, which is that you say a lot of stuff and some of it doesn't come across that well. And Mm -hmm. so I don't know. I don't know what he meant or said, um, but I still think it's kind of a shame that he wasn't like let into the place so now i also read that the eagles of death metal are making a documentary about that night in paris i heard that too i like i don't want to speak on it because i'm still thinking about it and i I can't think for them because obviously i wasn't there and i don't know what they're going through but part of me is like why do you want to make a documentary about it like, yeah, you I know, mean, you guys like, were just—you were in the wrong place at the right time, and obviously, it wasn't the right time. Right. But it could have been right. any. It could have been any band in there. It's not like they picked out Eagles of Death Metal. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, and 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 where do you go with a with a documentary like that? I mean, I think that there's always a danger in trying to make documentaries about horrible events because how much time do you give to the uh, survivors families how mm-hmm. much time do you give to the, i mean what do you do and and particularly given that he's made some incendiary statements about the situation like how far does he go to talk about that i don't know he yeah he's if you have a crazy uncle Jesse Hughes is kind of like your crazy uncle, and I mean that in a loving way. Yes, and he has a really cool car that you can get into, and you can he'll burn tires for you. Yes, but, but and that's really fun because he and he kind of he came to prominent he came to prominence because Jesse, um, Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age took him under his wing. Yes, and he said, "Here, yes. you front this band; I'll play drums in the band." Right. Which, so. You know, and you know, Josh is hanging out with a, a bunch of crazy characters out in the desert. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, what's that all about? You, you know, that's that's his thing. <laughs> well, he has a lot of things. 
Oh, he does. Um, yeah. I think, I think I think it has to do with being really tall. Because <laughs> you, Jim, you know, you've known really tall people and really short people. Yeah. No, he's tall. Right. And yeah, I would not want to get really into tall. a I would not want to get into a bar oh. fight with Josh Homme. No. No. And no, I would you, never you, never you, ever no. want to cross him. No. Never. And I never will. I Josh, almost. I love you. Yeah. I, I Josh, almost did cross Josh Homme. Did you really? We. We were on this thing called uh, Spring Break Road Spring Break Road Trip for Shut-ins, where we didn't go down to Mexico. We kind of traveled across the country and visited bands, and we visited Queens of the Stone Age in New Mexico. And okay. we all came for the interview, so it was Nick Oliveri, Mark Lanigan, who was in Queens of the Stone Age at the time. Sure. And um, I forget who their drummer was. He was a really Matt cool guy. Matt Cameron. No, it wasn't Matt Cameron. So we all sat down for the interview, and I said, "Well." Where's Josh? And they said, "Well, he's he's sleeping." I said, "Well, can we go up to his hotel room and get him?" And Nick's like, "Let's break up the band. Let's do it." So we went up the elevator. We knocked on the door, and the manager opened up. He's like, "What do you guys want?" And Nick's like, "We want Josh." And I could see Josh's foot dangling from the bed, and he was obviously out of it. He was sleeping, and the manager shut the door and he started yelling. He he yelled at me. He's like, "Why would you do that?" Why would you do that? And I'm like, well, Nick did it. I only did it because Nick wanted to do it. But every time we would have an interview with Queens of the Stone Age, Josh would show up late, not Nick. So I was surprised when Nick was kicked out of the band because he couldn't keep schedules or whatnot. Right. So, like I said, crazy uncle territory when you're dealing with any of those, those what's it called? The desert, uh, the desert sessions? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but right. you know what? It's 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 a lot of fun though. It's a lot of fun. No, oh, yeah. Should try it. Everyone should try it just once. And Dave Grohl. I mean, you know, Dave Grohl's in the thick of it. <laughs> Anthony Bourdain did. He traveled out to New Mexico <laughs> and did a show out there. So, yeah, many have dipped their feet in the uh, the desert sessions waters. The New Mexico desert. Yeah. So uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will discuss a, a Taylor Swift lawsuit that TMZ interfered with. And Lyle Presler coming to us remotely this week on The Week in Music. Did you hear about this Taylor Swift lawsuit? Yeah. So I thought that she sued someone, but it turns out, here's the story. Um, Taylor Swift made claims, and I think it was circa 2012, 2013, that a radio DJ, David Mueller, reached under her skirt and grabbed her butt when posing with a when posing with her for a picture cuz you know at a lot of those concerts they'll have it's called the the walk and repeat where they'll yes. they'll drape down the step the, and repeat yeah, step yeah. and repeat yeah they'll drape yeah. down the logo of the radio station and everyone gets to take a picture so right. she said that he grabbed her butt and because of the accusations uh, Mueller was fired from his job and then yeah. he sued Taylor Swift and then she countersued 
So last month, a judge granted a motion to seal the photograph because they didn't right. want it to get out as to not taint the possible jury poll. Well, guess who released it? I'll give you one guess. Harvey. TMZ. TMZ. And now Mueller's team says the photo proves his innocence. And if you look at the picture, which was supposed to be sealed, uh, David Mueller is reaching behind Taylor Swift. You can't tell if he's grabbing her butt. You can't tell if her skirt is pulled up in the back. And he says his hand is in that position because he jumped into the picture at the last second. Okay, Jim, how does the picture, I, I haven't seen it, how does the picture prove that he's not He's not doing that? It doesn't. Right, exactly. So why Why are you hanging your hat on, I'm not you, why, why is he hanging David his Mueller. hat on that? And yeah. I, I read an article where it said, quote unquote, smoking gun. And I said, what are you talking about? You can't see anything. Well, I mean, wasn't his earlier defense that it was not him, but it was a program director from another station that did it? I don't know. Yeah, I think that was that was his statement. But, um, uh, well, let's just say this, that if you grab that piece of ass, then you're probably screwed. Yeah. And you shouldn't, yeah, I, mean, I don't want to make yeah, light I mean, of anything, because anytime, anytime you make a female feel uncomfortable, well, that's just terrible. I mean, shame like, on and, you, yes. And, 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 and her statement, I think, was that she just felt so uncomfortable that she was doing this, of course, as a part of her normal, mm -hmm. you know, everyday kind of promotional thing. Can you imagine? I mean, I, I mean. That's sexual I, assault. That's sexual I, assault. I can't imagine that. Like, that would be disgraceful. But you have David Mueller's legal team against Taylor Swift's legal team. Well, I just, I so I, I would hope a settlement. Yeah. yeah. So there there could be a settlement, but I would hope that Taylor Swift's team would crush. I them. would hope. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think this is something that you would make up. Like this this radio well, I DJ. Mean, I don't. I don't think she would make it up. I yeah. mean I mean she. She's been in a million situations like that, so I can't imagine she's going to say like, "Well, let, let me just pick one." Right. You know. Let me ra yeah, randomly pick this guy. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, it's good you're a lawyer, lawyer Lyle, because we got a, another legal situation, and this one the the layers just keep unraveling. Yeah, so this is bizarre. Apparently, before Prince's death. He made a deal with Tidal, giving them worldwide streaming rights to his next two albums. And he also agreed to give Tidal exclusive streaming access to his music and video catalog. In a statement before his death, Prince said, After one meeting, it was obvious that Jay-Z and the team he has assembled at Tidal recognize and applaud the, and applaud the effort that real musicians put into their craft to achieve the very best they can at this pivotal time in the music industry. Title have honored us with a non-restrictive arrangement that once again allows us to continue making art in the fashion we've grown accustomed to, and we're extremely grateful for their generous support. And in this statement, I should point out that Prince did spell out the twos and fours with numbers, as he did on song titles in his career. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen contracts like that, too. But <laughs> we are here for you. Really? 
So I now I read that um Univer I think it's Univer oh no, it's Prince's estate is suing title now. Right. Or there's some legal stuff going on with that. Yeah. Because they said you're you're streaming stuff that you don't have the rights to stream. So it's the estate against title. Title said, "Hey, Prince agreed to this before he died." <sighs> you know, once again, we said that Prince didn't leave anything behind. Yeah, but I mean, the fact that he had a statement. Okay, he has a statement. Said, yeah, yeah, which said that they were going to be the ones to stream it. I think. That's going to rule here because there's no contract, right? Because we haven't seen anything that says like, oh, here was, here was an actual contract with a signature. But that doesn't matter. Like a lot of people, I understand that people out there in the world think that like, well, if there's no signed contract, then there's nothing. But that's not true. He made statements and those statements can be used as evidence of a contract. And if title relied on those statements, then they are a contract. All right. There you go. He could have. Yeah, it's Rutgers Law School two cents worth, <laughs> <laughs> and it's worth exactly what you paid for it, which is nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this story is still unfolding, so we'll see. Either Title will get to stream Prince's stuff, or they won't, and the estate will have it. The estate. Prince's estate. The estate. It would have been so much easier if he said, hey, Lyle Presler is in charge of my estate. What he says you know what? goes. And, and by the way, I, I hate to say this, but if I was, it'd be a lot better. What would be better? The whole the whole rollout of Prince's work. Oh, I know, no, better. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, I know. If so you could better. like entrust the estate with someone that so knew the, you... the business, it would well, it, you know like, we'd have less less of this. Well, I, I think it's not even knowing the business. It's sort of like just having common sense, right, Jim? Oh, I know. I mean, well, yeah. yeah I mean, common sense goes cool. a long way. What we take for common sense, other people will think is higher learning. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. Yeah, there's a lot of times in the business where I said, you know what? If you just had common sense, you'd be so much better. And I could bring yep. in someone off the street who had common sense, and they could do your job better than you. Uh-oh, Jim. <laughs> All right. Uh, on to the Beatles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on to the Beatles. Yes. Let's do that. By the way, have you seen the movie, the Ron Howard movie? No, not yet. I have not either, but I hear it's fantastic, and I hear that they've actually resurrected the audio from some of the concerts, so it sounds like it's really, really good. What platform can I watch it on? Um, it's called a movie theater, Jim. Oh, it's, no, it's, well, is this still money, at the theater, you buy, though? You buy, you buy, you, yeah, you buy popcorn, and then you walk in and eat the popcorn and throw it all over the floor. Are you asking <laughs> me out on a date? I am. <laughs> but if, if, it's you not... come to, if you'll come to me, okay, then well, we'll go. Okay? Can, we, can we do it in the afternoon? A matinee? Sure. Okay. Yeah. I'll do that. There's nothing better to do. <laughs> now, here's the question. Is there a theater out in New Jersey that's going to be playing that that film? There actually is a theater on Bloomfield Avenue that is playing the film. Oh, okay. So there we go. 
There we go. Okay. But it, it won't be tomorrow. But, but it, no, whatever. but you're saying it's still out in theaters. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yes. Speaking of the Beatles, uh, John Lennon's 1971 post-Beatles breakup letter to Paul and Linda McCartney is being sold online at auction and is expected to sell for at least $20,000. An image of the letter was shared online, and would you like me to read some? Yes. All right, so John writes, I hope you realize what shit you and the rest of my kind and unselfish friends laid on Yoko and me since we've been together. It might have sometimes been a bit more subtle, or should I say middle class, but not often. We both rose above it quite a few times and forgave you two. So it's the least you can do for us, you noble people, Linda. If you didn't care what I say, shut up. Let Paul write, or whatever. And then he goes on to write, Do you really think most of today's art came from... Let me say that again. Do you really think most of today's art came about because of the Beatles? I don't believe you're that insane. Paul, do you believe that? When you stop believing it, you might wake up. Didn't we always say we were part of the movement, not all of it? Of course, we changed the world, but try and follow it through. Get off your gold disc and fly. Wow. Whew. Actually, you know what? The truth of the matter is, if I had $20,000, yes, I would actually buy that. <laughs> No, I mean, I'm, I'm totally serious. I'm, I'm not joking around here. I would buy that. I would actually buy it for probably $35,000. No, why yeah. is that? Because I think it's unbelievable. It's yeah. just, it's so incredible. It's amazing how he wrote it. And you can tell how fucked up he is when he writes it. Because he's like, he's like, he's thinking, like, I'm writing this. I'm writing this about her. No, no, I'm not. I'm writing about him. So, if it's you, if it's a girl that's reading this, I'm not writing about you. I'm writing about him. I think it's amazing. I think it's incredible. And it just shows you what it's like to be in a band with a crazy person. <laughs> yep. And, and this goes back to what I've always said, and I'm going to keep saying it. Paul... Was the Beatles. Oh, man. John was not. Oh, man. Okay. Laying down the gauntlet. Oh, yep, snap. Baby. Yep. So, but You heard I it here. I, I, I do love it. I do love it. I, I Actually, I think the best part of it, what you wrote, what you read, um, I think the best part of it was, do you really think most of today's art came about because of the Beatles? I don't believe you're that insane paul do you believe that now the, the, the question there that you actually believe it but then he says of course we changed the world that's that's great it's like of course we changed the world <laughs> but try and follow it through and that's the problem right i mean try and follow it through you, there's no way to do that when you get into a band called wings Okay, so that's that's not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. But then again, <laughs> so from the sublime to the ridiculous, go, Jim. So, yeah. So the internet headlines this week will read: Lyle Presler colon Paul was the Beatles exclamation yes. point. Yes. So Aerosmith 
have announced dates for their farewell tour in 2017, although no American dates have been planned. Steven Tyler said, I mean, we all know our age is creeping up on us, but man, we've tried to follow the lead of the original blues guys and the early rockers and just keep playing till we drop, you know? We all have different feelings about it. I do have a feeling that there'll be a tour and we'll call the final tour, but when will it end? That I can't say. So it's nothing, man. It's not a farewell tour. But she didn't do it right. It's like, man! <laughs> you know, what I have to say about this is going to have to take up an entire episode. Oh, no. But, um, yeah. Because Aerosmith, I mean, who cares? I mean, who honestly well, cares? Some people, some people call them the Great American Rock Band. Yeah, I know. Like the poor man's Rolling Stones. Mm -hmm. That whole business. But um, the only thing I'm surprised about is the fact that these guys have not sold their music to more commercials. So I was thinking like uh, Otis Elevator. You know, if you ever get an elevator in Manhattan, you know, usually an Otis. Which I always found funny. It's Otis. But it's loving an elevator. Mm -hmm. I mean, wouldn't they do that? You know? Yeah. I don't know that Otis actually advertises that much, but um, I have to say that I I could not care less about a, an Aerosmith tour. Um, sorry, guys. No. But you, like you said about Desert Trip, if you say, hey, this is really going to be it, then people, that's, that's must-see. If I know that this is the last time that I'll ever see Aerosmith, I'm more interested. Yeah. But if true. it's ambiguous, like, yeah, it, it might be right, our last. Yeah. It's, gonna, it's our yeah. farewell tour, but I don't know if it's going to be our farewell tour. Yeah, I was, I was with a friend of, uh, of mine, and, and his brother was like, I got my kids memorabilia because they're they're done. They're finished. And his, his brother was like, yeah, really? They're done? Yeah. There's going to be some more. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, yeah. So there aren't any birthdays you said this week? There are no good birthdays this week, but I will say to you that I'm disappointed with your Pittsburgh Steelers because they did not beat... I know. The Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys, which I was hoping for because I'm a Washington Redskins I fan. Know. And we have a tie. I know. We have this tie thing hanging around. It's like an albatross around your neck. Well, we scored Hang a on. touchdown with 45 seconds left, and oh, we blew it. Oh, goodness. And, you know, by the way, I've just... I've so much respect for Roethlisberger. I mean, I don't like him as a but, player. As a player, yeah, just yeah. tremendous respect. So, yeah, no birthdays, but uh, well, you forgot a big one though. One that happened that? yesterday, the thirtieth birthday of the Beastie Boys' License to Ill. <laughs> so, Lyle, you've been on fire all episode. What are your thoughts on License to Ill? The landmark hip-hop album. Amazing record. I mean, absolutely incredible. I remember being in Los Angeles one night and looking out the window, and people were rolling a car and listening to Fight for Your Rights Party. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. And so, um, yeah. But, you know, Jim, your fascination, obsession, whatever you want to call it, you need to grow up, boy. <laughs> Seriously. Well, listen. It's, 
Listen, it's just Lyle, too much, wait, man, it's too much. Lyle, it's its thirtieth birthday. Oh, so the what? first rap album to go number one on the Billboard 200. Yeah, but I mean, what, what does that mean? It was the. I mean, Run DMC <laughs> brought it from the streets to the masses, but that enabled the Beastie Boys to have the first rap album go number one. So my question for you is, lot. My question is, where were you? Where were you in '86? Um, were you yeah, touring with any bands? No. no. Yeah, with the Meatmen. Yeah. So you're touring yeah. with the Meatmen. So yeah. when License to Ill becomes the monster that it is, yeah. Do you remember the Beastie Boys as a scrappy little New York City punk band? No, actually, I remember. I remember the whole thing very well because I went to this party. It was like an after-show party, and this guy came up to me and he said, um, "Hey, you know." It was great seeing you play, blah, blah, blah. And he clearly did not have his wits about him. Um, and he said to me, he goes, what kind of music do you like? And I said, well, you know, I'm I'm kind of amazed by this Beastie Boys thing. You know, I mean, these guys are like, it's amazing that they've, they created this music. And he said, uh, well, I'm, I, 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 don't, I don't really like that. I said, well, okay, yeah, fine. He said, I said, well, what kind of music do you like? He said, the Grateful Dead. And I said, okay, cool. Um, and he said, yeah, and uh, I, I just like that. And I said, okay. And I said, well, but what about some other music, like, outside of that? Do you like, you know, I don't know, like, do you like uh, some Carlos Santana or stuff like that? He's like, no, I, I like the breath of that. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, what about this whole Beastie Boys thing? I mean, it's, it's amazing. Like, these guys have the number one record in America. It's amazing. He's like, I like, I like the rest of that. That was it? And I said, and I said that was it. Yeah, a one-band one like, man. Yeah, he was a one-band man. But did you and, remember that they were a punk band in New York City? Did you put yes, two and two together? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, actually, absolutely. I, I, um, the, the thing was is I remember going to this club in in New York City called Great Gildersleeves. Mm -hmm. And there was this kid that came up to me. His name was Adam. Came up to me and he was like, hey, hey man, you know, why can't we open for you? And I said, well, you know, I don't, I, I don't have anything to do with this. I mean, like, I don't, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't control this. He's like, yeah, but I have a band called the BC Boys. And I said, yeah, you know, I know about your band. It's great, you know. Whatever. He's like, yeah, come on, come on, we get open for you. It would be fantastic. <laughs> I, said, I said, yeah, but I don't know anything about that because I don't have anything to do with this. And then, like, ten seconds later, they're the biggest thing in the world. So, Adam, to you, I say congratulations. Yeah, and 30 years later, Lyle Pressler played in the Beastie Boys tribute group, Professor Booty and the Sure Shots. <laughs> which was fantastic. If you missed it, you missed it. It was a once in a lifetime, right? Yeah. So absolutely. Once. Lyle. Yeah. I'm kind of torn on this. A video recently surfaced on Instagram of Mike D performing Sabotage. There was a young band behind him. He was singing yeah. the vocals. Now, on when the Beastie Boys performed Sabotage, Mike would play the drums. So he's out right. doing the front man thing. And it was at a Stella McCartney fashion event over in England. And it, it, it looked like one of those VIP parties. 
right. you know, following a, a big fashion runway type of thing, you know, a band will play. So first of all, I thought, this is awesome. A Beastie Boy playing a Beastie Boy song. And then it, right. it kind of rubbed me. Uh, rubbed me the wrong way. I'm like, it's that yeah. like a, a, a VIP. Hey, wake up. Hey, Jim. <laughs> Welcome to the party, man. But <laughs> Welcome to the party. Yeah, Pete Townsend bargains like the most amazing thing, but Toyota loves it. But in the end, I dug it that a Beastie Boy was doing a Beastie Boy song. And Mike was always into fashion. He was part of the whole X-Large fashion line in the 90s. So sure. I can rationalize it that way. Yeah, okay. rationalize all Rational. you can, man. That's what I do. Keep doing it until you, until hey. you run into that brick wall, and then it's over. Lyle, it's how I get through life. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the number one single on the Billboard Hot 100, Black Beatles from Ray Shrimmerd, featuring Gucci Mane. I called it, wait, baby. Wait, wait, wait. Jim. Yes? You said Ray Shrimmerd. Ray Shrimmerd? But you, you did an incredible version of that last week. Uh, yeah, Ray Shrimmerd. So for yeah, those that know. don't know, it's, like it's drummer's ear spelled backwards. So that's oh. why, you, yeah. So that's why you can't really pronounce it. Right. So I think if they're on the radio and there's like a hip hop post, they'll say, "Yeah, Ray Shrimmerd is here." So that's yeah. how. Yeah. But I I like to do the correct backwards pronunciation you, last of it. Last week you did an incredible version of it. Yeah, Ray like, Shrimmerd. So we're yeah. Yeah, so um, I, I called it though because uh, closer was number one for twelve weeks in a row. So their their reign is done and let the burn begin. Uh, the number one album on the Billboard 200, Lyle's favorite, "This House Is Not For Sale" from Bon Jovi. Another number one album for Jovi. The number one song on iTunes, "Black Beatles" from Ray Shrimmerd, featuring Gucci Mane. The number one album on iTunes. We got it from here. Thanks for your service from A Tribe Called Quest. And the number one song on Spotify, Black Beatles from Ray Stormard featuring Gucci Mane. We will take a break right now. And when we come back, we have our music picks of the week. What's the time? It's time to get We're back. Jim Shear, Lyle Presler, The Week in Music. Uh, Lyle is coming to us remotely this week from our special landline. 
We take the biggest headlines of the week and we we break them down. And we ruin them. We we ruin them. <laughs> but I, listen, I enjoy listening to the show, even though I'm on it. Like if yeah. if we didn't do this show, I would appreciate it if someone did a show like this. I love the show where I could I get all of my yeah. If I could get all of my headlines in one hour. Yeah, I mean, I hate my voice, but that's fine. No, you're great. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's get to it, man. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, my music pick of the week is We the People from A Tribe Called oh. Quest off their last studio album. We got it from here. Thanks for your service. And it's almost like they went into a time machine. Yep. The The song feels like it, it came out after the election. I, I guess technically it did come out after the election, but it wasn't, obviously it wasn't written and recorded and mastered and mixed after the election. So uh, yeah, listen to the words. They speak for themselves and... I love that Fife Dog is on the track because I didn't know if he was going to be on the album. I know that they hit the studio, so there are Fife rhymes on the album. And I love that to the end, he was spitting out sports references. So keep your ears open for, fuck y'all know about true competition. That's like an AL pitcher on deck talking about hitting. Because as you know, AL pitchers, AL pitchers yeah. don't hit. There's a designated hitter yeah. in the American yeah. League. And then he says, like Tony Romo, when he hit in Witten, uh, the Tribe be best in their division. So I, you might not appreciate that, Lyle, because he's spitting out a, a Cowboys reference. But oh, no, you get, yeah. I know all about the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here you go. We the people from a Tribe Called Quest. We don't believe you. Cause we the people are still here in the rear, yo, we don't need you. You ain't a killing off good young nigga move. When we get hungry, we eat the same fucking food. The ramen noodle. The simple voodoo is so maniacal, reliable to pull a juju. The irony is that this bad bitch in my lap. She don't tell me she make money, she don't study that. She gon' give it to me, ain't gon' tell me on it back. She gon' take the brain away the place she spit on that. The doors and signs with it. Don't try to rhyme with it. VH1 has a show that you can waste your time with. Guilty pleasure, take the edge off reality and pull a salary. I'll probably do that just sporadically. The OG Gucci boots are smitten with iguanas. The IRS piranhas see a nigga getting common. Niggas in the hood living in a fishbowl. Gentrify here, now it's not a shithole. Trend set up, I know my shit's cold. Hand set up because I ain't so bold. But yeah, all you black folks, you must go. In the smog of the media, the logs, false narratives of gods that came up against the odds. We're not just nigga rappers with the bars. It's kismet that we're cosmic with the stars. You bastards overlooking street art. Better get street smart, but you keep us off the charts. Some of the fucking numbers and your statisticians. Fuck y'all know about true competition. Just like the A.O. picture on there talking about he hitting. The only one who's hitting are the ones that's currently spitting. We got to Missy Smitten rubbing on a little kitten. Dreaming up a world that's equal for women with no division. Huh. Boy, I tell you that's vision. Like Tony Romo when he hitting with him. The tribe be the best in a division. Shaheed Muhammad cut it with precision. Who can come back years later still hit the shot? Still I'm trying to move you off the fucking block. Babylon blood clot. Cube on your head top. Mm. All you black folks, you must go. 
Now your daughter, I love it. your daughter I love says it. that song that song copies from someone. She said that it copied from somebody, but then when I forced her into a, a situation where she had to actually put up or shut up, she backed him. So she couldn't so, name the track that it supposedly yeah, copied she from. Name the track? No. It's kind no, of a dark track, it. though, right? Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, there's a possibility of looking at this world like in dark days. Mm-hmm. You know? There's a possibility of doing that. I choose not to, but that doesn't mean that people can't legitimately view it that way. And I, I think it's a great track. I, 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 I mean, I'm amazed that they can come back and do that. See, this is the type of stuff that I wanted on Kanye West's Yeezus album. Right. Like dark, but still kind of have a hip-hop flavor, get out of the genre for a bit, and then pull it back in. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed that, and I, I love that there's one last Tribe album. Well, you know, and the other thing is, I think it's it's important to, like, you can react to every line of that lyric, but don't. Just let it go, and just let it flow, mm-hmm. and and then just take it all in, because one one sentence or another sentence doesn't mean, that doesn't make the novel, okay? Mm-hmm. So just let it go and, and, and feel what they're trying to say. And I think what they're trying to say is, and what they're saying is really great, mm-hmm. you know. So there you go. So what so, is your uh, music pick of the week? Well, I mean, I, I was trying to counter you from an earlier time. Mm-hmm. but uh, So I came out with the Avengers, mm. um, which most people don't know about. Penelope Houston was the singer for the band, and she's since become sort of a folk artist, I guess. Um, But uh, it was a weird thing, because they came out with this wonderful EP in 1977 on the Danger House label called We Are The One. And then later on, it was reissued and whatever. But the, the reason I'm bringing it up now is because there's... A, 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 a sort of festival going to happen in Berkeley mm-hmm. uh, called the Lookouting Festival, and it's going to be at nine twenty-four. Nine twenty-four at Gilman Street, Berkeley. Mm, okay. And there's going to be the Mr. T Experience, the Avengers, Pansy Division, Tilt, and that's happening uh, in January, from January first through January eighth. And I guess Lookout Records, who most people know from Green Day. Um, uh, yeah, like Operation having, Ivy. Yeah, Op Ivy, exactly. Um, we'll be having a festival. But this song that came out in probably 1977 is called The American and Me. Hmm. I like, so, yeah, last week I went with Minor Threat. I like that you're going with a, a punk rock song this week. Yeah. Yeah, I have a feeling that over the course of the next four years, there's going to be a lot of songs like this. 
I think maybe so. And, I, and by the way, I'm not necessarily saying that I agree with everything in the American in me, but I think it's an interesting song because it's part of the American response to the British punk rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this was like late 70s, right? Yep, 77. All right, so here is the American in me from The Avengers. that yeah this is pre kathleen hannah man yeah absolutely i mean and penelope was the uh, role model for most of the people who came after her and i'd actually like to give a little bit of a shout out to howie klein um who had a lot to do with the avengers success howie klein howie klein yeah okay now what did what did he do well, I mean, Howie was the president of Reprise Records at a certain point, but Howie's now a uh, a very uh, influential blogger, so you can look him up and you can see what he's up to. Does Howie listen to the weekend music? We, we hope so. <laughs> yeah, because if after he does this, yeah, after this, this he probably will. will. He should, yeah, because if he doesn't, then he'll never hear his shout out. Exactly. All right, so um. We're going to take one more break, and when we come back, it is time to play Ask Lyle. The wife's are furious. Never seen anything like it. I haven't seen white people this mad since O.J. Burke. There's a split screen with white people on both sides. Ah! Nah, I'm not saying I'm enjoying it. I'm just saying it's just, I've never seen this before. I watched a white riot in Portland, Oregon on television the other night. News said they did a million dollars worth of damage. Every black person was watching that like amateurs. 
staying out of it. It's gonna take a knee like Kaepernick and let the whites figure this out amongst themselves. Because for us, you know what I mean? We've been here before. We've been here before. And I don't even think it's the most important thing we're dealing with, man. Don't forget, don't forget all the things that are going on. Shootings. What do you think about that? All these shootings in the last year. Worst, the worst mass shootings in the history of the United States. Pulse nightclub, which they said ISIS did. And then it turned out that wasn't exactly what happened. If that is what happened, then ISIS is scarier than I thought. Because they have very deep cover operatives. Look, I'm going down deep for this one. I might have to uh, get a grinder account and uh, <laughs> jerk a few guys off and throw them off the trail. I think the guy was in ISIS. What happened was he pledged allegiance to ISIS before he did what he did, which is not the same as being an ISIS, you know what I mean? Like, I was gonna have sex with a girl, and right before I did it, I screamed out, Wu-Tang. That don't mean I'm in the Wu-Tang clan. I'm just shouting Wu-Tang out. Some more shootings than I can literally count. You can't even go to the goddamn zoo without seeing a shooting nowadays. They shot a gorilla in my local zoo. And the Cincinnati police said, shooting that gorilla was the toughest decision this department ever had to make. I said, well, you about to see a lot of niggas in gorilla costumes in Cincinnati. All my black friends, who have money said the same thing when Trump got elected. That's it, bro. I'm out. I'm leaving the country. You coming with us? Nah, I'm good, dog. I'm gonna stay here and get this tax break and see how it works out. Because <laughs> that's how it is being Dave Chappelle. It's the first time I got some money, it didn't work out like that. The most unlikely thing that happened ever was a black president came out of nowhere, like, come on, everybody, let's start thinking about everyone else. Oh, nigga, I just got this money! <laughs> It was possible. Hey everybody, Jim Shear with Lyle Presler on the Week in Music. Lyle joins us via our special landline. Uh, time to play Ask Lyle. Ask Lyle. I'm going to keep it very open-ended this week. So imagine me at the pitcher's mound and I'm just lobbing this one in. Okay. So my question this week is, how you doing, Lyle? I'm actually fine. Okay. You know, it's like, um, I understand that people are kind of upset about stuff, and all I would say is that get your ass out of bed, just take a shower. You know, I thought of, like, taking a shower just sort of reconnect you to the world. And it also makes you smell better. Um, and it kind of get it re-energizes you. Yeah, yeah. Just get up and get going. I mean, the, here's the thing. You elect a president of the United States, right? And then you spend four years or eight or whatever it is. I mean, living with them. But you don't think about it. I mean, you don't get up in the morning, you know, two years in and say... Well, yeah, I, I wonder what's going on today. Don't do that. So don't, don't do it now, because it doesn't really matter. 
Um, um, when, when it matters, matters get your ass out, out of bed and do something. something. And, and one of the best things that I read about the election was from a woman uh, who writes for the Washington Post. Or actually, I think she just contributes to the Washington Post. She wrote an editorial, and she's, she's a conservative Republican. And she said, the most important thing for you to do out there is just get involved in the stuff that's around you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, if it's a school board thing or if it's a, a local, are we going to do this park or are we not? Do that because that's the most important thing. It's not that important for you to talk about the national uh, election level because you've already voted. So it's over. Yeah, I hear about all the students walking out of college. Yeah. And I, I teach a class every Tuesday night. Yes. And I had some important stuff that I wanted to go over this week. And I thought, if you guys walk out this week, you're going to miss out on some good stuff. And this good right. stuff, you can change the world. So stay in, stay yeah, in school, yeah, man. Yeah, you know what? If you're a student, don't walk out of anything, man. Just stay in there because that's your wonderful the world that you've been lucky enough to get to. Like, don't walk out of it because that's stupid. Yeah. The ideas out there are just ideas, okay? Now, when they get when they get made into public policy, then you can have your say about that. But just in the realm of ideas, stay involved in the realm of ideas because that's the most important thing. Like I have a I have a I have a English literature degree from Georgetown University. Which entitles me to absolutely nothing, but um, but it's it's it was really cool, and I got to listen to all sorts of people. I had this one dude who was in my classes who was a communist, and he would like every time we read something, he'd go, "Man, does it feed man? Does it feed? Does it feed people?" But you know what? It's like at the time, the guy was the most irritating person in the world, but. I've come to think about what he was saying, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's interesting, you know. Like, like does it feed people? Did you see Dave Chappelle's opening monologue on SNL? I did, I did, and a lot of people were irritated by that, but I was not. I yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was awesome. It. Just, I mean, he summed everything up. He gave some history, yep. and at the end, he said, "You know, I'm I'm going to give him a chance. You give us a chance." Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. Good stuff. Yeah. That's, That's what we have to do. And he should go out more often. Oh, listen. I mean, he's he's unbelievable. He's he's incredible. I I love that guy. I mean, like, I wish I wish he would talk all the time because I would I would pay money. Yeah, and I'm not saying like go out every day of the week and do ten new shows and podcast. Just you know. Every so often, pop up. You're good yep. at you're good at what you do. Yep. All right. No so um, uh, that'll do it for us. Uh, good talking to you, Lyle. Good, good talking to you. We're Jim. gonna we're gonna have a, a license to ill listening party right now. So don't mind <laughs> us. For Lyle Presler, my name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yins later. Ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has just left the building.